0: Hello everybody and welcome along to a special programme from Imza Radio here at Road America. Yesterday evening, Scott Atherton was up on stage for what is now a traditional state of the series address. Uh, it was slightly less than traditional in how we did it because, very bravely, he got me involved and... Uh, that brought the tone down a little bit, and the first thing that I had to do was cue a video, which then didn't work, which really set the tone for the rest of the evening, Jeremy. Well, first thing you had to do was put a jacket on, actually, John. It was very, very and smart. a different pair of pants. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's never seen me actually dressed no, up, up before. Impressed. I thought I'd better make the effort. Scott, thanks for letting us get involved and broadcast that last night. A uh, great crowd here at the track. And as you might imagine, people uh, have uh, taken the opportunity to ask Atherton. Have uh, broadly, they're still coming in, so I'm watching them. But they've they've broadly come into a, a number of uh, of key areas. I'm going to start where you started last night with TV. Sure, let's um, do it. That's uh, NBCSN next year. Um, any word on TV talent? A number of people, including Tyler Kinghorn, asking that question. Uh, That's the yeah, sticky one, isn't we, it? Yeah, it is. I throw you this
1: one straight away. <laughs> We've heard uh, that question a lot, and uh, it's a it's an example of a situation that we don't have control over, but we have input, and uh, Do have I can assure you. Yeah, I would say in input, influence, however you want to define it. Um, but, but at the end of the day, that's going to be an NBC decision. Uh, they're pretty proud of their, their talent lineup. Uh, it's been a very active space. Uh, we've been approached by several announcers and people that uh, you know, off. they want to do that. And uh, you know, time will tell. I think it's another example of another bite at the apple when we, when we actually, or when they, make those announcements. The, the
0: video that we did, play last night give an example of the sort of high quality that mbc sports produces they have got a good talent pool to to draw on both with their current motorsport team and, and people
1: who are on the edges exactly and uh, I we honestly we it's not something that we know now and choosing not to tell it is uh, i think it's a work in progress time scale um well it's it, won't be that much longer, I don't think, because okay. you're going to want to get people teed up and they'll start doing their homework because, you know, our our off season is extremely short. We yeah. come right back after it that first week in uh, January, and people are going to wee- be on the ground ready to go at that time. The extremely talented Andy Blackmore was listening in last
0: night, who is the man behind the IMSA spotless Guides, among uh, other things, and quite a lot of liveries in here. Uh, he lives up in Canada, north of the border. What can you tell him? about Canadian TV coverage.
1: It is a top priority. Um, The one thing I will say is every time we're on NBC, that bleeds over into many parts, if not the whole of Canada. Um, We recognize Canada and certainly our promoter partners up there, Carlo Fadani, Miles Brandt and that team, they want a full season of WeatherTech coverage so we can continue building that Canadian audience. Nothing to announce today, but I will say it is a priority and we have the ability... To, to place a dedicated broadcast relationship into Canada. And that's new with this NBC relationship. We didn't have that flexibility before. Um, typically, when something becomes a priority, there's a solution that soon follows. So watch that space. Um, we touched on the digital side of TV. Um,
0: the NBC Sports app and NBC.com is huge. So anyone who's got NBC SN, as I understand it, if they can, um, if they have that, they can parlay that into watching the the races digitally.
1: Well, and when you talk about Canada, that doesn't fall into the geo block okay. of imsa.com. Ah. so the live streaming, which is the case today, Canada is uh, is open open game, so to speak, in terms of being able to access all of the live coverage, flag to flag, through imsa.com, through the imsa app as well. Looking forward to next year. You're right. Uh, anybody that has the NBC Sports app, and because of their Olympic coverage, among everything else, the it's a lot of people. Oh, it's, it's it's tens and tens of millions. You know, I I would probably get it wrong if I was to guess the number, but uh, yeah, it it is one of, if not the most widely downloaded sports broadcast app. So live flag to flag coverage through the app. Uh, you need to authenticate. But if you've got NBCSN as part of your cable or your dish connection, you're in. Same thing, IMSA.com. So, or sorry, NBC.com. Yeah. All live coverage flag to flag through that as well.
0: Internationally, no changes. Uh, IMSA.com goes to pretty much the rest of the world. Might be one or two changes if there's, as I understand, if there's a, a, a broadcast television deal comes into a particular territory, and no changes for IMSA Radio, no geo blocks on the audio for IMSA Radio.
1: Correct, but I would also add to that that we are actively pursuing broadcast relationships outside of North America, particularly in Europe and Central America. Um, I just met with the group that within our organization that's responsible for that this morning. There could be some some news coming very soon in that space. Uh, we've also re-partnered with the folks at Greenlight, ah. who are very adept at placing international TV rights oh, yes. around the globe. Uh, we had a great relationship with them back in the ALMS, which had, uh, I think at one point we had half a billion households capable of yes. accessing live alms broadcast we're not there today but uh, we're headed back that direction
0: uh, we asked for questions points arising but you also particularly asked it for suggestions and a couple that uh, uh, or one that's come in from a, a number of people including michael ducam and uh craig patterson now four classes can we have four different number plate colors rather than two and two to show pro-am and arm or is is that still the way that it, it's been looked at? Is yeah, it something that might be looked at, shall we say? Well,
1: we have looked at it. It's uh, it's a topic that has been debated, and I would say decisions have been made. And we do have two different number or panel colors that designate Pro and Pro-Am. And we're of the opinion that the difference between a GT car and a prototype is substantial enough that there shouldn't be any confusion. Yes. And if you see the number plate associated, you know, red for pro, green for pro am, uh, pretty easy to decipher and uh, for that reason we, we consider that's it That's actually more less complicated. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say it's simpler if that's such a word um, rather than trying to have four different colours working out there. So at if the it's same red, time.
0: it's pro and if it's green, it's pro. am. Correct. I, I like that uh, Scott, I really do because it... it, 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 it Difference. You can, you can, everybody can tell the difference between a prototype car and a GT car. Yep. Uh, and the, the important thing is, is it a pro or is it a pro? And I, I like that yeah. uh, that the, the red and the green. Yeah, I think that works pretty well. I must say.
1: Yeah, we've utilized it in the past. Um, candidly, that's the first time I've heard someone suggest that we go to four different colors because I think, I think that would be more f- f- confusing. Well,
0: it <laughs> uh, doesn't necessarily help us as commentators either. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. um, what, what's th- what's the what's the magenta one again? No, never mind. <laughs> yeah. um, Circuits and schedule. Broadly speaking, the schedule has. We talked about that date, date equity yeah. in the presentation. Um, as you might expect, there's lots of people asking about possible additions. Uh, uh, we have uh, Chris Putnam has said um, there's been talk of a share with Indy at Watkins Glen, which uh, seems that IMSA isn't too keen on. Oh, Watkins Glen, the sale in six hours of the. Uh, of the Glen Weekend he's so packed. I, I can't think we could squeeze a 10-minute kart race in than no find an IndyCar race.
1: <laughs> You're exactly right. And again, with great candor, I'm not aware of any discussion ever about a shared weekend with IndyCar, and it would make absolutely no sense. Uh, to your point, that's one of our cornerstone endurance weekends. The Salin Six Hours has a tremendous history going way far back in the Grand Am era and w- much further back even than that, if you look at IMSA as a whole. It's one of our most successful weekends campgrounds are full. Yeah. We're never going to fill the grandstands the way they do for the no. Monster Cup. Maybe you look this weekend, it'll be a packed house. Um, our folks tend to like to move around and see that cars go through various parts of the track. They don't sit in grandstands per se, but that's a very good weekend for us. Michael Printup and his team, I don't think they would ever consider combining.
0: Um, a number of places that people would like to see added. The problem with that is we've got a really solid schedule that people are used to, and actually teams want fewer races, not more. But I'll, I'll throw Portland at you, which Tristan Wood has talked about. These types of cars have raced there before. I mean, do do you and the team still look for potential additions to, uh, to a schedule? We do. If, if perhaps not for the, the whole show, maybe splitting some of the classes out.
1: Very selectively, we do. And uh, for personal and pro- for professional reasons, I would love for us to go back to Portland. Me too. And I Born to and raised in Seattle, raced at Portland myself. It's a great venue, a great city. Uh, really pleased to see that track coming back online with top tier motorsport, with IndyCar going back. We're very close to the Savory Green Group. That's the promoters we work with at Mid Ohio. Uh, we've had that conversation. To your point, I don't think teams are so interested in having fewer races. Um, that applies, I think, to a select categories, DTD. Right. Um, ironically, there's an equal, if not even greater camp that would say bring more and we could add two or three races tomorrow. If we chose to the Portland opportunity, frankly, is among the highest priorities because it delivers a part of the country that currently is unserved. Yes. That Northwestern corridor, Oregon, Washington, Vancouver, Canada, uh, fantastic car market, lots of good fans from that part of the world. And uh, it would make a lot of sense. So if there is to be growth, I would say that's near the top of the priority list.
0: Looking at the schedule, Carol Brink, who lives in Monterey and is one of the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective, uh, has looked at the date for WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca. I've got to keep remembering that or the... Otherwise, Jill Campbell will charge me $10 every time I get it wrong. Um, The IndyCar are there the next weekend, and I think it's the Jazz Festival as well uh, at the same time as the IndyCar. Any worries about how that might impact IMSA going back there?
1: Uh, (laughs) The honest answer is yes. Uh, And I'll tell you that this was a difficult decision for us to make. Uh, We were approached many months ago about that uh, opportunity that at the time was only potential. It wasn't a given Uh, We explored a couple of different options that would have avoided having two major events back-to-back. Long story short, the group from SCRAMP, the WeatherTech Raceway, came back to us and said, we really, really want to have this happen. We met with our our shared partner in WeatherTech. They indicated that they would prefer that that this new opportunity happen as well. So we somewhat reluctantly said yes, and uh, there's going to be quite an effort made to make sure that both weekends are deemed successful. Uh, We're not naive to the fact that with IndyCar going back after many, many years of being away, that first year back is going to be a big deal for them. Uh, We're also, though, confident that we will also have a very successful weekend, and we've got some strong agreements in place both with WeatherTech and with the track, to make sure that the promotional efforts for our weekend um, are nothing short of what's taking place for IndyCar. Uh,
0: um, just to prove how live and interactive this happens nowadays, Scott, your explanation of the the number panels, Michael G. Kham was one of the people who asked that. He said, yeah, fair explanation. I understand now. <laughs> Let's move on, yeah. which is great. Before we, we leave um, schedules, um, the Michelin Endurance Cup, um, a lot of people love the fact that it's, it's going to stay the same bar the, the, the name change, of course. Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of people, including Macchiara, saying, can we not have a fifth round and can it be here at Road America? This track maybe deserves, in inverted commas, a longer race.
1: Well, Tough be, decision. be hard to argue with that, for <laughs> sure. And, uh, you know, we're always in communication and in concert with our promoter partners. You know, the historical race here was... Uh, a longer distance race, um, you know, 500 miles, 500 kilometers, you know, I, I would love to have a longer race here. In a perfect world, we'd love to go into twilight here as well. Um, and I, I don't want to plant any seeds, but it's it's always a topic of discussion. We need to be careful about how many hours of racing we build into our schedule, because yeah. you, you mentioned before the the amount of racing that we do, and why can't we expand the calendar? When you look at just take the first two races, the Rolex 24, the Mobile 112, that's 36 hours of racing. That's the equivalent of a full IndyCar season in the first two races <laughs> of the year. Yeah, when you th- put th- it like three that, hours of racing. <laughs> and race cars operate by the hour, just like airplanes and boats. So budgets all are incrementally affected by the amount of hours of racing. Uh, questions on prototypes now. Let's move on to that. Uh,
0: splitting up of DPI and LMP2. Jake Parrott, first of all, says. Uh, understand the move to Pro-Am LMP2 Championship. Uh, will they still carry auto entries to the Le Mans 24 hours? Both the Pro-Am uh, divisions, both in GT and in prototype, get the, get the uh, automatic invitations.
1: Yes, is the short answer. And uh, what it comes down to is these are both tied to the Jim Truman and the Bob Aiken Awards, which going forward in 2019, any silver or bronze driver that is competing in the WeatherTech Championship in either the GTD category or LMP2 will automatically be eligible for those awards. So the highest point-earning driver in each of those categories will receive the award of an automatic invitation entry to Le Mans. So also what's unique about that is IMSA awards that to the winning driver, but the ACO recognizes only an entrant So that driver then has the ability to take that invitation to either the team that they've been racing with here in the WeatherTech Championship, which we would hope they would do, but it's not a given. So if they chose to take it to a different team, that's who gets the entry to Le Mans with that driver. Uh, On the
0: PA and around the world, uh, away from Road America here with Scott Atherton, it's Ask Atherton live on IMSA Radio. If you are here, Porsche GT3 Cup... Challenge USA by Yokohama. Driver autograph session happening now until 10.30 in the midway right across from the Paddock shop. So an opportunity there to grab some uh, autographs, uh, getting answers, grabbing answers from uh, Scott Atherton at the moment. You knew you were going to get good questions from, the, uh, from the, the enthusiasts out here. We'll stay with the prototypes at the moment. Splitting up P2 from, LMP2 from Daytona prototypes. How do you think that will affect the entries Um, Motorsport Matty, CJ Jones, slightly worried about what will happen to the wildcard entries, the one-off entries for Daytona, Sebring and Petit Le Mans if they can't race for overall
1: honours? It's a great question and uh, we'll have to put it in the we'll see category. Uh, As far as what the expectations are, we actually believe that the attractiveness of P2, especially the way our platform has evolved here with the DPI team's raising their game, both the sophistication of the teams, the professionalism, the caliber of the drivers. We believe that for a P2 organization that will now be a pro-am configuration, it becomes more attractive because you're going to be racing against similar resourced, similar driver talent teams, and you've got a real chance to, to stand on the top step of that podium in your class. Now, does that detract from the opportunity to race for the overall? It does. However, and I'm just going to throw this out, the cars will still be close enough, and especially in the 24-hour race where we know anything can happen. Well,
0: that's endurance more than speed at that point,
1: isn't it? It it wouldn't be out of the question for a top-tier LMP2 team with some good drivers, a good team behind them, great strategy, and, of course, a bit of luck to be right there with a DPI. I, I won't bet against it.
0: What sort of a differential what sort of a speed differential are you looking at between the DPIs and the uh, the, the P two cars for next year?
1: Yeah, there there is no number to apply to it, um, and that's that's a question that is probably better posed to our our competition group. Uh, there will be a gap. Stop by Simon? We'll be knocking on your door any second. Yeah, maybe. Simon Hodgson, please <laughs> phone in. Uh, no, but the the answer is we have pulled the DPI performance back to a level, frankly, that was not anticipated, and it, It's been moved back up again recently because of the capability that the P2 teams have demonstrated. You look at the timing screen this morning, very close mixed bag. And And Simon and his group, I mean, kudos to them for getting two cars from very
0: different philosophies. Uh, different dampers on the P- D.P.I. cars, traction control, which the 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 P2 global cars don't have, and they have they have provided parity. We've seen that. Yeah,
1: it's not only in the prototype class, but you look at yes. every. I mean, the mixed bag and the diversity of the technology that's represented there, and to have things separated so closely around a track of this nature is really impressive. Hats off to Jeff Carter and his team for uh, for the work that they've done there. They, they never get the accolades. They only get the arrows and the bullets, and uh, this morning they need some accolades.
0: No, I, I agree with that. Well, let, let's stay in that, in that area but talk about the the DPIs. Uh, Andrew Bakker uh, and Doug Stark, among others, saying, um, have you given any consideration uh, or to mandating the manufacturers making a certain number of customer cars? Available. Um, I think Cadillac have already sold four. Yeah. The other two major manufacturers that are in there, Acura and, and Mazda, as yet haven't made any customer cars available. It's,
1: it's a very good question, and another example. I, I've had that question posed several times here since last night. Uh, you're right, Cadillac is already uh, in that business, so to speak, and I think the others have a desire. But not quite yet. The response that we've had from at least two of the other DPI manufacturers is, let us get our program established, up and running. Let us get firmly planted on our feet, so to speak. And then we'll consider adding additional teams, i.e. customer teams, to the DPI mix. So I don't think it's going to be exclusive to Cadillac, but I don't think it's going to happen imminently. But uh, 2019, potentially.
0: Any more manufacturers knocking on the door?
1: There's always content in the pipeline. I, I don't want to suggest that we've got uh, anything imminent. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of circumstances beyond our control yes. right now that are impacting it. Um, you know, the the auto industry has been impacted by Globally. the diesel crisis. The whole of the Volkswagen Group has affected some of the uh, the brands that otherwise I think would already be. Represented well, I on think the
0: Volkswagen Beetle DPI is the absolute
1: brilliant marketing campaign for VW. Let's BMW. go. The other is, frankly, the tariffs, you know, and the yeah. uncertainty yeah. that that creates. And, you know, any time in business when there's uncertainty, it's very difficult to plan for the future. We have ongoing dialogue with several manufacturers Regarding DPI, the fact that our homologation now runs through the whole of the 2021 season. Yeah. There's a full three seasons still ahead of us, 19, 20, 21. So the opportunity to uh, to leverage and to amortize an investment out over the next three years still makes it quite attractive.
0: Uh, I've done you a massive favor by leaving this one to last because we haven't got uh, ultimate time. We could be talking about this for a week. This is driver rankings. Um, broadly speaking from the... Uh, enthusiasts uh, in fact not broadly speaking pretty much uh, unanimous uh, agreement with uh, the driver ranking changes or at least potential changes that you are suggesting right turn lover among others saying how's this going to work i understand you've got a committee are you still going to say a guy that brings money is an amateur a guy that pays money is a professional or will it be more dr- data driven
1: uh, to be very blunt, we couldn't care less which side of the check they're signing, the front or the back. It really isn't about that. What it is about is the hard data that's generated by each driver's performance on the track. And we have an enormous amount of content in terms of the data. We know every lap of every, every lap turned in this race and every other race, we have reams of data uh, from each driver. This committee will take each driver individually and analyze, and the goal here is to arm Paul Walter, who is our FIA representative, who actually has a seat on the Driver Ranking Committee of the FIA. So as a sidebar, we're not in any way abandoning our uh, alliance with the FIA and our respect of their driver ranking system. That remains intact. What we are going to do, though, is is arm Paul Walter with data that supports Mm -hmm. what we believe are the accurate, fair, ranking, rating of each driver. In fairness to the FIA, there's over 3,000 drivers that are currently rated. I would say there's a dozen that are questionable. And let's call it what it is, the super silver. The driver that has a silver, therefore amateur rating even though they are generating results on the track that are as good, if not better, than their pro peers. A lot of that comes down to how the
0: FIA do their rankings and what results they take into consideration. Um, Not necessarily the driver's fault, although some guys manipulate it quite cleverly, but there are certain results that that FIA system just don't recognize.
1: All true, and when you think of the sheer numbers, it's impossible to be that close to so many drivers to know the in real true situation. capability. Yeah. Uh, we are going to drill down on the drivers in this championship within the IMSA platforms to make sure that we have it right. And like everything, almost everything we do, there's going to be some people that are very pleased with the results, there'll be others that are deeply disappointed the goal (laughs) here is to ensure that the gtd category is a true pro-am category it's not a factory-backed deal it's not an all-pro team that's been creatively put together we can all argue that there's some examples of that others would argue aggressively that no no we don't understand but we'll make every effort simon hodgson this driver evaluation committee that's been put together uh I, i think we will have material change going into 19 and it's not a one and done situation. This will be an ongoing effort to ensure parity and fairness in the Pro Am class.
0: Uh, I'll finish by saying the amount of treats that we've just got in while you've been on air, plus the ones that came in uh, overnight here from people getting up early in Europe and, and listening to the replay or watching the replay. The, uh, the uh, uh, Dave Alcock, among others, Jan. 0077, thanks to uh, Scott Atherton and IMSA Radio for the great information. Uh, Carol Brink said thank you for answering my question. Mr. Atherton, very formal, Carol. Um, uh, this kind of transparency, we talked about you and the, the, the team at IMSA um, making changes by consent and by consultation. And the fans are part of that, and this kind of thing continues into 19 and beyond.
1: No question. Uh, and as I said before, it's, it's rare that we can ever come across a category or a situation where our ultimate decision is embraced positively by everybody. Mm. Uh, It's just the nature of the beast. And our goal is always to be responsive, but also in a proactive way. We don't always want to be reacting because something caught us off off balance or uh, off guard. The process we went through specifically for the GTD adjustments that were announced last night the most comprehensive, the most transparent, the most spirited discussions sure. across all of our stakeholders and i 've thankfully seen comments and quotes from some of the teams, some of the drivers that were actively involved in that that have reinforced that that many have been involved in this industry for years and years, never have they had an opportunity to contribute to the process the way they have in this case so as always, some people will be saluting it. Some people will be flipping it off. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's how we operate. And I think at the end, we're making really smart decisions that are going to benefit all. Started with one obvious question. I'll finish
0: with the last obvious question, and that's about DPI and Le Mans. Uh, it's the question that always gets asked. And as you can imagine, it's yep. been asked many times. Ultimately, that's not within IMSA's ultimate bailiwick to say we'll take DPI and the new un- less restricted DPI, to Le Mans. But was there any part of the thinking to split those classes and move DPI away from P2 that puts them closer to what the ACO might be thinking about
1: in the future, or indeed even closer, nearer term than that? Yeah, it, it wasn't a material part of the decision-making. Uh, is there always some discussion and dialogue that could potentially lead to that result? The short answer, again, is yes, but I don't want to suggest that any changes are imminent in that category either. As you know, John, we are directly involved with the ACO and the FIA in the process of defining the next-generation prototype rules, regulations. What's being referred to now is the hypercar. Um, Simon Hodgson is our representative. It's at the technical working group level now, so they've met once already. There's another meeting coming up soon where the FIA, the ACO, and IMSA are all collectively participating. I'll say it again, sounds like a broken record, but we are dedicated to seeing that process through. What we will not agree to, though, in order to have a global formula, if it means that we must abandon the core elements that have made the DPI the success that it is, we won't do that. So hopefully, ideally, We arrive at a conclusion that has enough in common with what we're doing here and what the ACO and the FIA envision for the future there that we're able to make a true global solution. We'll see it through to the finish. No predictions today, but um, we're committed to it a minute to the process.
0: Scott, thanks for your time. Can we do this again later on the season?
1: I tell you let's uh, book our calendars for this time next year and uh, if we want to do it again this season I'm up for it. Okay, Scott
0: Atherton has been answering your questions on Ask Atherton live here from Trackside at Road America. Our live coverage continues. Stay tuned to RS2 IMSA Radio. This program is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit radiolamond.com